Dang it. What was I saying? The human dongle. Oh, get your finger out of my eye. Way better now that you've stopped touching it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I was... Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain And the waving wheat can sure smell sweet When the wind comes right behind the rain Well, you ready? Ready. Power twins unite. Shape of electricity. Form of... Shape of... Educator. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a power... Power... Anyway, okay. uh, welcome back to Oakla Said. It's the official Oakla Ed podcast. What we do here is we follow the Twitter chat that happens every Sunday night at 8 o'clock, and then we find our favorite tweets and we have conversations about them. And that's what you're listening to right now. Yeah, basically, Oakla Ed tweeted it. We're saying it, so we're Oakla Said. Said. There yeah. you go. So uh, we are still behind here, and we are playing catch-up. This is the conversation that Jason James from Alec Public Schools, he is the superintendent out there, he had hosted or moderated this chat, and it's, it's about the best practices in education, which is kind of crazy because, like, he's usually, like, super leadershipy mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, reflection guy, but he's like, hey, let's, let's talk some best practices, and I liked it. He also likes to get into the weeds of policy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, not just a discussion, a broad discussion of policy, but like the weeds of the policy, (laughs) which we need people to do that. He's excellent at it. So we appreciate his contributions. Well, let's dive in. And I see I see you've got a quote to go along with this. Is it because the question had the quote with it? Yes. Well, tell us the quote. So the quote is, students don't care how much you know until they know how much you care by John C. Maxwell. That, that is good. Mm-hmm. I, and I've heard that several times. I didn't really know it was Maxwell, but that's uh, good. Uh, well, question one is, getting to know your students and developing relationships with them and their parents are essential to maximizing both teaching effectiveness and student learning. Uh, share your best practice to build relationships with uh, students and parents. You know, um, I would love teaching if it weren't for students and parents. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> that is the opposite of the oh. best practice. <laughs> what I meant to say is that that is a hard one. Yeah. At, the, at the high school level, it's hard. It's for a, sure. a bit more manageable in your elementary schools. Um, what I saw here were many, many, many tweets that revolved around um, get in there and get your get your knuckles dirty. Mm-hmm. Knuckles. Fingernails. Thank you. Fingernails dirty. Um, I picked Seanheim here, and I apologize because it's going to come up later, but uh, one of the most important things we do is build relationships with students. Uh, you must find time to have non-academic conversations and listen to your students. When they know you truly care, they will work to meet your expectations. And this is where, like, man, just, I mean, once a week, twice a week, on your way to work, listen to the songs that they listen to. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um, listen to the conversations that they're having. And, and don't just be a part of it so you can drop your on fleeks that are outdated. But, <laughs> um, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you've said in the past, like, 
use on fleek because you know it's outdated and so that they can be like no mr hazelwood and then you're like i know and then you're just like in a conversation you know you're, you're just building relationships you want to build a relationship with your kids floss yourself into the classroom one day <laughs> and they'll be like no mr hazelwood that's we don't not, floss anymore we, we dab dab is so 2013 oh, dang it one of these days i'll catch up but but yeah, that's one way to do it, is to do that. Um, the other thing to do is just, when your kids, students are walking in, just be like, yo, what's up? Yeah. And see what they say. <laughs> they say. Um, but but it's it's about being intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they can see if you're, hey, what's up, and you're like grading papers and managing stuff and not really paying attention. That's like a, that's like a lip service, what's up? Right. Um, versus like giving eye contact uh, and like even using a name like Scott. What's up? Right. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Who'd so you pick? <laughs> I went with Alicia Ray. She is at I Love Educating. She said making the effort to know their names and the guardian's official connections to the student, parent, grandparent, aunt, foster, etc. We also have TV announcements running in our lobby, which allows students and parents to see what's going on in our school. That's good. Yeah. And, you know, as a high school teacher, it's hard to make a connection to the 145 parents. It's hard to make a connection to 145 students, much less parents who you don't really see every day. Right. Because chances are at high school level, I'm not visiting a parent unless there's an issue. I mean, it's sort of the nature of the beast. I want to make good phone calls home. I want to make that that sort of positive thing, but there's only so much time in the day, and that gets hard. Uh, it's a bit more manageable, you know. Like I said a minute ago, when you have the elementary students, because there's there's certain things that occur in those elementary schools that are already part of that culture. Right. And there's a lot more, in most cases, a lot more parental involvement at the elementary level than at the high school level, just by nature of the beast. Sure. Um, but but yeah, um, getting to understand who the students are is is that's what every teacher should do but i like how she's also pointed out uh how the guardians tie into the student because not every student has a mom or dad right it it could be a a whole different thing there and that's important yeah for sure i mean uh I, i made a call home to a kid last night who is living in foster care 10th grade student uh living in foster care and it it was a new house this week um but I just was like, hey, your teacher told me you just finished um, your, your U.S. government class with a 91%. Like, way to go. Mm-hmm. And just uh, that one was, was straight to the student. But you could hear parents in the background, foster parents in the background, like really trying to celebrate that too. I'm sure that foster parents right now trying to build that same relationship that, uh, that my teacher's got going on. You know, right. so right. just just making it meaningful and, and uh, very relevant, I think, is necessary. Sure is. Question two. One of the most controversial edu practices is assigning homework. <laughs> here, here comes the hand grenade. You want to <laughs> you want to you leave the teacher's lounge in like a chaotic scene, like a nuclear explosion? Just go. Man, I think we should give every student an hour of homework every night and just exit exit the building. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
<laughs> so, yeah. uh, do you believe assigning homework is effective? Why or why not? Regardless, most T's believe students need to practice essential skills for mastery to happen. Share your best practice with Oakla Ed. And he hit on everything here. Yeah. Right? I mean, students got to practice those, th- those things. It's just, is homework effective or not? My two cents on that is the second an assignment that's considered homework leaves your classroom. Mm-hmm. You do not know who completed said assignment. Nope. I don't care if it's a reading log. I don't care if it's a, a little geography spelling situation. Like I don't, I don't know. Like I'm going to assume the student is doing it. But how many times have we as parents ran off to Walmart at nine o'clock the day before a project is due <laughs> to get the supplies that we need to build said project? So student. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Right. No, I mean, I was in a conversation with my sister two days ago where she was like, I just don't know what to do. Kid, I mean, and we're going to get into some of this, but um, he's a third grader uh, who's also in Boy Scouts and soccer. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. so he's a busy little kid. But bedtime is nine o'clock in their house, and they were up till almost 10 trying to complete some math homework. And, oh, I know. And, um, and they, they, they like, they turned it in the next day and the teacher was like, this is only half of it. And so like only half of it, which is his mistake, made it home. (laughs) But she was like, what else could we have done? We spent from nine until 10 doing math homework, right? you know? Uh, And so like, she was frustrated that there was so much of it. And that it was only half, and so he got a 50% on it. And so I'm like, oh, gosh, like, I, I don't want to tear another teacher down, but I also want to be, like, talking a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there you go. So, I mean, the boy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, protect the innocent here. Yes. The boy uh, missed an assignment, missed turning something in in one of his classes, had the work completed, um, turned it in, but because it was late, school school policy says it's immediately a 70%. Uh, school board policy. So school he, board policy, yeah, wow. So he, he turned the thing in. He just he forgot to turn it in on whatever time. He's And he's usually pretty good about turning stuff in. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so he turned it in. The best grade he could get was a 70%. So, so at I, that point in time, what are we grading? Right, right. Uh, I liked Shane Sanders' tweet here because it brought to mind something. Um, I picked him because he said, good discussion for either side, mm-hmm. but make sure you inspect what you expect, right? Yeah. Uh, give feedback. Notice the lack of using the word grade <laughs> uh, in what you've assigned. And I liked that. But here's the thing. And I think if if the school sets an expectation, like, hey, just so you know, we are a homework school, and what we expect is it turned in on time. Like you, and I know that's a school board policy, but it's got to be restated, restated, restated on the walls in conversation. You got it. Like I think that if that is the expectation, you got to tell kids why that's the expectation. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, we're creating citizens, and you have to have things turned in on time. And if you don't do this, and and you know, I don't know. I just, I, I see the people who say we're creating citizens and you got to turn things in. If you miss a deadline, then, you know, you could be reprimanded. Right. Um, But I also get like, 
uh, he he got the skill. Right. <laughs> you know, what part are we grading? If we're grading on, you got to turn this in because we're creating citizens who do things in a timely manner, da 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 then don't make it part of the math grade. <laughs> right, and that's what I would say. I would say, like, yeah. make it a separate grade. So at my daughter's school, they're working on that this year. So okay. even, so even if the How's student, that going? Um, I think it's, I, I don't know. I haven't been able to talk with the teachers about it very much because I think this was sort of introduced to them at the beginning of the year, and they hadn't had a lot of time to process it. It was like, yeah. welcome back from summer. By the way, this is how grading is going to work. Um, but I really love the idea, but basically it's it's a thing where if the kid turns the paper in late, they get the full grade for the paper, but there's also okay. a um, a situation where uh, they they get like a citizenship grade attached with it, is what okay. they were calling it, or something along those lines. So they can also then, that also allows them to grade the student, like, are they participating correctly in class? Are they turning their work in on time? Are they, so it sort of ties in being a responsible citizen to grading responsible citizenry yes how great and it ties in to a different path the homework or whatever the assignment is that we're working on with a student because right. that's and what is being I graded that's good i i love that i do uh i do want to know how it goes and i want to know how they like because you know you set a goal and you're like okay we're going to manage to this goal this year i want to know what their process is for like reflection at the end of this year mm -hmm. and if they're making any adaptations to it yeah i'd like that, to know how it works that's, out what, mm, am i allowed to know what school are you allowed to say it out loud uh i mean it doesn't take a lot to figure out that we're in the deer creek school system okay <laughs> <laughs> uh because as a, a grad student right now i um I don't know, I feel like empowered to ask questions of mm -hmm. great leaders who are trying to do, you know, uh, great things in their schools for reasons. And um, and I feel like they're, you know, more than willing to answer a grad student who's trying to, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Copy, I'd be, I want to talk with the, yeah. yeah, I want to talk with the kids' parents, with my kids. I want to talk with my kids' teachers also at the end of the year and, and just get some feedback on that. Yeah. Um, because I think it gives them some, some freedom. Ooh, this homework question. Okay, Ooh, so okay, question uh, three. No, hold on. So Tyler Bridges, oh, oh, was, yeah, we haven't even gotten to him. Who is at Bridges? Tyler. He said, completely depends upon the purpose. If we are working toward mastery, no, I don't want students to lose motivation by working on things they already know, and if they do not know it, I don't want them doing it on their own. Ongoing assignments are perfect for homework. Yes, and and this is where like, and I think we've had this you know discussion before when we've talked about homework before, like. If the skill is ABC order, mm -hmm. and you need to know whether the kid can write an ABC order, and your spelling lesson in week 25 <laughs> is still using ABC order, like, we've probably, we've probably got that skill. Right. You know? Uh, and so, what are, you, what are you doing with that assignment now? Is that busy work now? Right. Or right. is it, I mean, it, What's I, the purpose? I don't know. I, 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 exactly. So anyway, yeah. Well, can can we move to question three now? I think so. Okay. A whole podcast uh, on homework. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we have a whole podcast on homework once before? I'm I'm sure. Okay. Uh, tests, quizzes, projects, homework. Oh my! Assessing student growth is essential to the learning process. However, grading practices are as diverse as our students. 
share your thoughts on grading, and a best practice on how you're assessing the student learning here. And I'm just not, I'm not going to even give much because Tiffany Neal, like, she should obviously probably have been my boom sauce because it's so great. She <laughs> said, if, if you're looking for formative assessments in math that showcase student thinking, check out OKSDE Curriculum Frameworks for Math Formative Assessment Probes. And then she, like, throws this Google Doc, which is a PDF in there, and it's like, here's the math problem. Um, circle yes or no on if this is the answer. But then there's this box for explain why you circled yes or no. And I thought, wow, that is, I, I don't know, like, I've talked about before, like, if, if you can do the work, then you can do the work. But if you can talk about the work and, and can speak to the work, then you probably, like, really know that work. And I just like that the assessment has included that explain your work. Like, mm -hmm. not show your work, but explain why you picked that. And I really liked that. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I went with Christine Wesley. Uh, she is at Christine Teal. She said, grading can be so hard, y'all. I personally mm. believe grading should reflect mastery. That means not grading, like in the grade book, the first, second, or third times a student has practiced a new skill. Oakland Ed, give them time to learn. And and I like that. And what I did too with my kids when I did mastery grading, and I'm sort of doing this with my college students, and they're really struggling with it because they're like, I don't know if this is right or not. And I'm going to give you feedback, and you okay. can determine if you want to resubmit that assignment with no penalty for full credit. And that's what I did with my students. For, so for my calculus kids, mastery was considered an 80%. So if you handed me something that was less than 80%, I handed it back to you and didn't put a grade in the grade book until you gave it back to me and we had at least an 80. So I could legitimately tell my students on the first day of calculus class, if you, if you Follow the path I set in front of you. There's no way you will get less than an 80 in calculus. Period. I like it. And um, and it was hard. For, I, I think it was it hard for some be of that them. way. Yeah. No, but I think that I think that that's the way it should be. Like, uh, if if our goal is mastery and being able to move on to the next grade level or the next math class or the next set of skills. Why are we going to move on when a kid got a sixty? Right, like that. That's not. That's not ready to move on. Right. Yeah, yeah. I totally yeah. agree. Thank you for agreeing with me, Scott. You know, you are fairly brilliant, so it's easy to do. Stop. Question four: Academically, student motivation can make all the difference in the world. Why do you think some students are motivated and others are not? Share a best practice when you've had success in getting unmotivated students to succeed. Um, Ooh, I feel like that's a loaded question. Boy, I mean, I've had kids where I want to get a mirror out and put it under their nose <laughs> to make sure they're bleeding or breathing, not bleeding. Uh, oh. <laughs> well, breathing. Okay, like, oh my gosh, you're a bump on a log and I want to choke you, but that solves no problems at all. So how can I get you to, for the love, turn something in? Yeah. Please. Yeah. yeah. So hard. Um, well, I liked what Carrie Hicks had to say here. She is at Hicks for OK. She says, it's important to draw a distinction between can't do and won't do. Sometimes students present uh, as being disinterested or unmotivated but lack the skills necessary to be successful. Skilled teachers are able to build upon their relationships and find more ways to move students forward. And I, I liked that tweet. Um, I... I 
know that it's a controversial topic, but I do think that the multiple intelligences have a place in education. Sorry, gonna say it. And if I think that's one thing that um, we are trying to do. I, I don't know that we've mastered it yet, uh, but at Epic, we we try to give a kid a multiple intelligence test, and if they learn better this way we give them and not that they they can't learn the other way and not that they shouldn't learn the other way but we're going to give them curriculum that is more leaning towards this way than that way and sometimes the curriculum just presented the the content differently makes a huge difference i mean it just makes a huge difference like i don't i don't and that's why there's like five ways to teach multiplication right because Sometimes you're going to get it this way, but sometimes it totally clicks that way. Mm-hmm. And um, like the the what is the the lattice thing? Is that right? Lattice hashtag. That's a triple hashtag. That okay. So so for our viewer, what Erin is doing, she's holding up three fingers of each hand and and interlacing them together so that it looks like a tic tac toe board. But like that's a very visual approach to, to multiplication. Right. right. And visual uh, works so well on a podcast. <laughs> right. Well, but I'm a visual person. Uh, but like when I saw multiplication that way, I was like, "Ooh, that it blew my mind. And like it clicked. And um, sometimes just presenting it in a different way, which um, a, a digital curriculum can do. Uh, it's not the only way uh, mm-hmm. by any means. And sometimes I've used two or three different digital curriculums, but I had to come in on the backside and be like, hey, this is actually it and explain it even different before they get it. But I think sometimes just presenting it in the way that they get it best. I mean, I get that you have to learn it other ways, but if you get it best this way, let's present it that way. I don't know. That, that's Aaron's two cents. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> You make it. <laughs> I think if we can offer students multiple uh, ways to learn something, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think we fail our students if we go, this is the only way to do a thing. This is the only way. Mm-hmm. And we can argue about that. And um, I might draw my line in the sand, but there's more than one way to do everything. Yeah. So why not? You, you know, anyway. So, Chauncey yeah. Lore. <laughs> <laughs> that Dr. Jason James putting all these questions in here that could be their oh, own at chats. Um, yeah. So Chong C said, factors outside of the classroom may hinder student motivation. When I feel uh, this in a student, I tend to speak to him or her outside of the classroom and mention one of his or her achievements. Sometimes a little encouragement can go a long way. And he's he's so right okay. on he's right on there. Yeah. Um, and I think so- sometimes too, just getting those students motivated just comes down to... Um, getting to getting to know the students like i've i've had kids where i've wanted um, like i think horrible thoughts because oh my goodness gracious you're not doing anything but but i've also had students where i've really been able to develop a good relationship and i can go listen here you little crapper i need you to do some stuff or we're going to be in a world of hurt with you me and your folks and, uh, and but having that relationship to be able to tell the you know to just be bold with a kid like that. So, right. Anyway. Anyway. Okay. Uh, question five. 
I was going to throw something in, but I've, I totally lost my train of thought, thought there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, maximizing student academic achievement and learning satisfaction requires a strong teacher-parent partnership. How and how often do you make contact with parents of your students? Please share parent contact best practices. And I think uh, this is where you were talking about earlier, like middle school, high school, a little mm-hmm. bit more difficult than elementary. And I think Alberto at Morjon. Morjon, I think. Orhan? Is it Morjon? I don't know. Okay. Um, he is at Mr. Underscore Morjon S-J-H. H and I think he's out in Stillwater, but he says yes. having 130 kids makes this difficult. Uh, being involved in the community helps. Getting little brother or little sister later on down the road also helps. Other than uh, contacting because of grades, missing assignments, you know, any anything other than that is great. I try to make at least 15 positive contact per semester. 15 times 130. You're going above and beyond. Or, you should probably or, get a pay raise. Or if that's 15 out of the 130. Uh, oh, oh, gosh. And then that ratio is crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to do. Yeah. Um, but that's where my, you know, there's there's some things, too, like with the Remind app and different um, newslettery yeah. sort of things, which allow us teachers to make frequent contact with parents like i know sometimes we feel overwhelmed with the amount of contact and information we get from our kids teachers sometimes it's like oh my gosh that's too much but thank you for sharing (laughs) well Um, and i mean sometimes i'm like uh can i get some communication because i just don't know and i haven't had that at school because you know my husband is my kid's parent i mean my kid's teacher but sounds uh, like you need to set a parent teacher conference (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we will confer. Um, no, but like in other avenues, like uh, it's, I mean, especially non-educated, like in the gymnastics world with my youngest, mm-hmm. um, you know, I can sit up in the, the bleachers and watch the coach like coming down on my kid really hard. My kid's got to run extra laps, which I'm not against. Like if she right. was not doing whatever. But I kind of like to know like, hey, what, what was it that you were doing? Because whenever I ask my kid, she was like, well, I just, I didn't hit my back handspring, and so I had to run 45 laps. I'm like, eh, like, really? Like, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know, maybe, but really? Right. So um, I just, I, I think sometimes having any contact <laughs> would be really nice. Just you know, smoke signals. Can, I, can you, yeah, can you just like, hey, smile and give me a thumbs up like today was good. Yeah. Sorry, I'm very very visual again. Sorry. That's okay. So Erin just did the thumbs up emoji with her hand in real life is, is what she just did. And then she, now she's walked out of my screen. I, I, there, okay, she's back. Uh, so I went with Steve Gilliland here. He's at Steve underscore Gilliland. He said, honestly, for me, not enough working on this one. And I think, uh, and Steve is coming at us from high school. So we have two high school uh located folks that shared the tweets on this one all right uh question six hold on i've lost i've lost aaron's talking to me now and hi aaron your microphone is off and that there it is you can hear me okay because i was like uh i think so that awkward silence that is now <laughs> on the I podcast. Think this is where, 
Yeah, I think this is where I think we all realize it's a little bit easier to contact mom in the younger grades, and that's why both of the I think hearing from the high school, junior high, uh, middle school teacher is necessary because I think in the younger grades we all realize it's easy to have contact with those parents. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's all I was going to say. But okay. you didn't hear me, and now it's out of context or something. Okay. I don't know. Question six. <laughs> Question six. Lifelong learner is not just a slogan, but a mantra for educators. PD is a way teachers continue to grow as people and as professionals. Books, conferences, trainings, conversations, social media. How do you do PD? Share a best practice on how you continue to grow. I love PD. It's fun to I really learn. Like I know. It, I, I do think so. But I think I like it mostly because typically when I'm in PD, it's something that I want to learn, mm-hmm. and then I can confer with people who are like-minded, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that I can get really pumped up, and then go back to my school and do what it is that I was trying to, you know, do. Right. That anyway. So I really like PPD. Yeah, it's good. Um, I chose Jason Bings on this one, and he said, uh, and he was with us during that live Oakland said that we recorded that you your computer crashed on. I wish you wouldn't have brought that up because now you'll remind the people that were there <laughs> <laughs> that they didn't get to hear the session that they I, so I, eloquently spoke to. And I that thought was they like, had like, subtly like, moved on. <laughs> no, they're like, what is the session you did? Anyway, he was there. Yes. And he was just as powerful there as he is here. He's like, uh, YouTube has become my most consistent source for PD. If there's something I need to know quickly, I can usually find it uh, because someone shared it on YouTube already. And then there was a continued tweet. He says, next it would be Twitter and peer contacts, followed by some other social media group. And then he came back (laughs) again uh, and was like, part three, I also listen to at least one podcast episode every morning while my coffee is brewing and often have one running in the background while I work at my office. And I was like, man, that guy, he likes PD as well. Mm -hmm. But... One thing that's a little sad to me is that none of these revolve around actual trainings and conferences because I I think there's a lack of money, or books, because I think there's a lack of money in the education world to be able to do some of those things. Mm -hmm. I really hope that we're able to find some of that money again because if we're going to be a top 10 state for education, we should be practicing top 10 um, uh tactics and uh we should probably get some pd on those top 10 tactics right but i do like that you know although jason didn't mention any sort of corporate styled professional development he had gone and found things that are meaningful to him and that is critical exactly no that Um, is great that's that's super huge you know in some of our the other when i was doing some research on this there's other countries that like view professional like place an emphasis on professional development in, in such mm-hmm. a way that in the United States system, the teacher is in front of the students something like 85% of the work week, of their working time. So okay. that, that leaves like the other 15% to lesson plan, do professional development, and sort of other things teaching related. In other countries, the amount of time that a teacher is in front of the students, the amount of the work week is is somewhere around 60%, and that leaves 40% of their work week time to seek out professional development to 
focus on and develop and grow their lesson plans and do other things related to teaching and grading and things like that. Where are we at? 85% of our 15, less than 15% of the, of, uh, the American teacher's time is available to do the deep lesson planning, grading, and professional develop, development. All right. Yeah, it was really well. interesting. It was really interesting to see that. Uh, so Vicki Donnelly, she's at Donnelly Vicki. She said, these chats, Oakla Ed, are the best SD staff development I have ever had in my 34 years as an educator. Yeah, yeah. yeah so there Dude, you go. Seriously. I mean, uh, sorry. Siri likes to randomly drop in on my conversation. So hey. she was about to. Um, seriously, I, uh, I concur, Vicki. Like... The Oakland Ed chats are probably, I mean, I get so riled up, <laughs> so riled up. And uh, I've been proven wrong here a couple of times, not often. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> no, but seriously, like people have called me out on things and it has really challenged me to either dig in and find out why I believe that or it's changed my mind. And I love right. that about yeah. our group here. Yeah, in a lot of ways, there's a lot of things that Oakland Ed does that, that is um, challenging and me and meaningful to those that participate. That's why people keep coming back week after week. Yes, some good benefits to that. Uh, okay, question seven. Uh, question seven: With the legislative session approaching fast, we know Oakland Ed will once a big at once again be an Oakland leg priority. Is there any education policy or reform you want to see happen? What best practices do you use to communicate these ideas to your community and politicians? Woo! I haven't that, reached out to my newly elected representative yet. I have already had coffee with yeah, my newly elected representative. And, Both of them, um, right? Because you, uh, yeah. you, you sent me a picture. Yeah, um, which, was, which was super fun. And, um, uh, you know, it, it was great because I think... Um, there are uh, mistruths or myths or just unknown factors about us. And I was able to like have real conversation about some of those things. Like, tell me something that I've heard that is just wrong. And I loved that question. I liked hearing that question. And mm -hmm. so um, it, it was great to have that question. But I really liked what Rick Cobb had to say here uh, because I 100% agree he said, I want to see more funding for trauma PD, more funding for counselors, more funding for ICAP. We're already in the middle of the last half dozen or so reforms uh, that we were asked to do. I'd like to see these fully implemented before getting new reforms. And mm -hmm. I picked this because I'm having to do a whole bunch of curriculum research right now uh, for school. And um, it seems as if with every administration change, Somebody wants to put their stamp, their name on education. And, mm -hmm. and I'm talking about at the White House uh, right. and, and who they put underneath them. But it used to be that we'd have long gaps in education change. And then all of a sudden, like eight years is the era of change. And I'm like, uh, hey, you can make a man. Think about even at the building level. Scott is implementing something new. Right. Deer Creek just implemented this new structure. Right. Is it working 100% yet? I don't know. We're exactly. and, and six months into the first year. <laughs> one building in one school. 
And so if you think about something happening at the White House level, and then it's got to be told to the state level, and then the state level gets it to each of the different districts. And then mm-hmm. the districts are like, okay, how do we do this? Let's put together a you know team to figure out how to implement. And then um, we got to follow the law. So we need people to interpret <laughs> the law so that we follow it. But by the time we get to implementation, it's almost time to elect a new president. Yeah. And like, I liked his tweet here because this is just at the state level. Like, we're in the middle of the last couple of reforms. Can we get these going before we change the game and change the plan on teachers again? Right. And I, students I think again? One of the, I think one of the policies I'd like to see is the. I, I know we've watered down RSA. I'd like to see it just flat out go. Mm, yeah. I'm just I'm not a fan. Um, yeah. Just like when you line up all the students, they're all different. They all learn at different rates, just like you and I learn at different rates as adults. So I'd like to see that one just be deep sixed. But the other big policy that I would like our our elected leaders to sort out is, yes, a pay raise is still important. Grateful for the last one. But we need more teachers in our buildings to help the class sizes get lower and so that has to be addressed and so how do you get those teachers in well they're going to have a task force i guess another task force to do this probably now or there's a they're working through legislation to to do like a recruiting situation i don't know but that's a that's a deep rooted problem and a lot of it comes with what everybody can read in our news media and, right. and so because people can read what's said in news media, why would you want to teach? Why would you? I mean, it's very difficult. Anyway, yeah. uh, so I went with Carrie Hicks. She's at Hicks for OK. She says, I always have an open door for Oakla Ed. So she's a newly elected senator. Uh, not my senator. Um, sometimes I like my senator. Sometimes I, <laughs> I don't. Uh, but she's newly elected to the state's uh, Senate. And... My representative is new this year, too, and she's a former teacher, so I'm excited about that because my last rep was not my favorite person. you got to get in there and have coffee. I do, and I think I would enjoy coffee with a teacher representative. Um, Question eight. There are two sides to the achievement formula, teaching and learning. Now, researchers are starting to explore the benefits of a teacher taking time to renew, recharge, and energize themselves as a person. Share a best practice on how you take care of you. Uh, so, I went with Bradley Ward here, who is at Brad Ward 42 <clears throat> He said, call me crazy, but 4 a.m. deadlifts and power cleans get me recharged and fired up. Been You're crazy. It since- <laughs> I know! That's exactly why I chose this one. What? You're crazy, buddy. <laughs> uh, it's his secret to success every morning at Gold at 4 a.m. club and hashtag 4 a.m. club. And I was like, man, you are nuts, buddy. But I'm glad you get recharged. I'm glad you find time and away. <laughs> I mean, I don't get out of bed at 4 a.m. I don't want to get not out of bed unless, at 4 a.m. <laughs> not unless. You're crazy. Like, you're I'm Brad, you're crazy. But and there's a flight and yeah. like yeah. <laughs> good but good for you because that's important. Um I like what Laura Pena had to say because I like to run also. She said running is good. Laying on the couch rewatching Game of Thrones in anticipation of the new season is better. For some reason my children won't allow me endless hours to do that. Dot, dot, dot. Uh, Stinking kids always want to come in and always want to spend time. It's usually and they not want it to be quality time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stinking! Look at me, not Game of Thrones. 
But uh, sure. but yeah, I like to. I myself like to run. So I carve out 45 minutes every day or so, an hour every day at lunch, and I run for my lunch hour. Yes, I've seen you come in ridiculously sweaty to do our episodes. It's a good thing we don't sit in the same office. I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, how about Boom Sauce? It's yeah. you pick tonight. I went with Sean Heim, and it's the answer to question one, which is the one that you chose. Um, so we both thought it was really Say important. Say it again. Say it yeah. again. Say it again. One of the most important things we do is build relationships with students. You must find time to have non-academic conversations and listen to your students. When they know you truly care, they will work to meet your expectations. Boom. Mm-hmm. Uh, what so was yours? My boom sauce was revolving around question three, where we're talking about best practices on how to grade and assess student learning. Mm-hmm. And I really liked what Drew Price had to say here. He's like, students learn at different rates. Grading practices should be mindful of that. Mm-hmm. Also, grading should not be used to punish or motivate. And I was like, thank you. Right. Like, yeah, like, thank like you. Th- like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what That's else it. is there to say uh, except thank you. thank you. So there All you right. go. There's uh there's the old Twitter chat. That was a good one. That old Jason James asks. He only asks the tough questions, man. But he well, asks meaty tough questions. He does. I mean, like you said, it. some of these questions could be an entire podcast. So mm-hmm. um, great job, Jason. Yeah. What's next? So next next episode will be Dr. April Grace, Shawnee Sup, the Shawnee superintendent, and Melanie Howe. I think it's Howe. Yeah. Okay. Uh, she's the Duncan superintendent, and they're going to be talking about or facilitating a conversation on community engagement and partnerships. I like it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, these chats happen every Sunday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. And so if you haven't, uh, I, if you're listening to us and you haven't been a part of the chat, thank you. And we're glad you're here. But go be a part of that chat. Even if you're lurking the hashtag uh, one Sunday night at eight, just kind of see what's out there because we only get to pick, you know, one or two tweets per question. Mm-hmm. And there are hundreds of tweets per question. And so maybe you find one that uh, puts a little passion in your in your heart or gut and you want to get involved. So come be a part of these uh, Twitter chats. Yeah. I mean, we pick the ones that we, that we like and that's what we get to do as the hosts of this podcast but there may be one in there that speaks to you in a more meaningful way and you'll never know unless you dive in all right all right all right educators you know what to do go out and dominate the world yeah and eat tacos we already said tacos have a pizza and beer pizza and beer Hanging out, living the dream. I'm a dream liver. Yep. Sort of like dream a dream lover. Dream liver. Yeah. Yes. Uh, best use of best that song was the already, Wayne's World. It? Yep. We'll just toss a little snippet of that in at the very oh, yes. end. Say it.
And you're doing fine, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> 